Welcome back to another episode of the End of Time podcast. And usually I would say we have a brand new guest, but this is the first time we've had a recurring guest. Really? I'm the first one? You're the oh, first one. Shoot. Okay, yes. So, welcome back, Thank Iris. Yo. It's, a, it's, it's a pleasure to be here, I swear. Now, I've missed you. I've missed the production. I've missed your voice, bro. Even your <laughs> accent, I swear down. It's, it's <laughs> the weird accent, the, in, no, the, uns- ob- the obscure accent. Uh, yeah. Oh, th- thank you for coming back on, you know? Oh, no, you're very welcome. You it's know, I mean, we've both just got back from... Uh, from some hell of experiences, you know, <laughs> to say the least. But yeah, I'm glad. I mean, let's just get tucked in. What have you been up to? Oh you know, man, I've been writing music. I've been traveling. I've been getting deported. I've been <laughs> writing poems. I've been That's... watching your podcast. Um, I appreciate it. Just, yeah, man, doing what I can to uh, exist in it. Yeah. So just before, I mean, uh, just to remind everybody, if you don't recognize him, but um, uh, he was the previous. He was arrested in Germany. <laughs> he was on Sky Sports. He cycled around Europe uh, by yeah. bike. Literally, and that's why I'm wearing it today. I'm wearing the camera can't see it, but today I'm wearing the, the cargos that first time was on the podcast we spoke about. Just to bring it back up and yeah, just... reference that, that moment. Right there. <laughs> it's that magical touch, you know. Yeah, bring man. it, bring it back. The but journey, bro. It's been a fucking journey, like. Mm. Um, I just got back from Hawaii yeah, right. a month ago, which was insane. Alula. So. How, how do you how do you say, how do you speak the, the native language there? Aloha. Alo- 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 oh shit! Alo- I, was so far I don't know what you said. Yes, Alola. Oh So you just got back from um, Malta. I got deported from Malta. Got deported from uh, yeah, Malta. Bro, okay. Man. <laughs> well, okay, let's get it. How 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 do you get deported bro, from Malta? Because you're you're Maltese. I'm Maltese, right? yeah, by blood. You know what I'm saying? By blood, I'm Maltese. So it's a disgrace that these men deported me, anyways. But because I'm not like a citizen of the country, which okay. uh, you know, I know you know your politics. I don't really know my stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think uh, they they just they saw me overstaying uh, by like one or two days. These, these guys were a bit bored. It was a dead day at work. They just wanted to. They arrested me. I was going to Malta after coming to record some music in the UK. Okay. Went back to Malta. Literally, like, I was all going well. I was supposed to go to the biggest festival um, called Earth Garden. It's this hippie festival. It's so beautiful. I was supposed to go to that. Instead, at the airport, as I landed at um, um, Lua in the yeah. airport, I got, uh, the police were like, they checked my passport. They just see how long I was in Europe for. They see mm-hmm. this ain't adding up in it. Because I had to flee to Malta when I got, uh, we'll talk about that later, when I, when I was in a ship position yeah. in December. I had to flee to Malta. So I was stuck in Malta and it was wasting up my days. And when I came mm-hmm. back, I literally just got a new place, a new job, everything. I was about to move to Malta. These men grabbed me at the airport. Um, they took me in handcuffs straight to that because I requested asylum. Yeah, in in Malta. In Malta, okay. Okay. they wouldn't deport me straight. But I was like, no, I'm not going back. You're taking me to jail first, at least. Mm. Um, I requested asylum. They take me to an illegal refugee camp. I was detained there for like four days. It was crazy. Wait, so what was what was the refugee camp like? Because uh, well, we bro. talk about the refugee crisis in Europe, bro. and it's it it's it's dramatized. You know, that's insane. So what what is your experience in that? You know, it's, it felt like a dream. It was so like I still have the memories, the the walls and stuff in the cells. The the, the Malta isn't like the most like um, they don't have the most money in the European Union, but mm-hmm. they have they, they're still a third world country, not a third world country, sorry. But their their facilities, but it was like bro, like iron bars, concrete the really? floors were dirty, stunk, it literally stunk in it. On the wall, there's like Arabic like engraved, not even painted, engraved into the wall, just Arabic writing, hella Arabic writing, middle fingers and stuff. Um, the the people who worked at the the facilities, the detention officers, they were kind of like. To, to me, I'm telling you, bro. Like at first, they were kind of giving me. I was the first white person ever. Uh, no, sorry, first white person in 15 years and the first British person ever to be detained at a refugee camp. In it. And yeah, crazy. Damn. But they were, um, they recognized, one of them recognized me. One of the, remember I was on Sky News? Yeah. One yeah. of the officers recognized me. Oh, and I, I, I ended up signing a shirt to his son <laughs> and, he, and he gave me something, bro, I got to tell you. He the, gave me. <laughs> the, the, the prison officer asked for a signature. Yeah, yeah. You. And then he started, he gave me um, my first night at the cell. He, he put um, takeaway pizza in my, my oh, in, in, in the envelope. Yeah. Bro, it was, um, yeah, it was so hard. I mean, 
I want to say that would, must have been surreal, like a prison guard asking for a, like an autograph. But it must have been really like also kind of overwhelming bro, bro, to say that you're, like, you're in this position. You're in a cell right now. Bro, right? I'm, it, not, it, was before, it was before I was in the cell. It was when they were interviewing me, innit, bro? And okay. it, I, these men, I had to strip naked in front of them. Every, I had to do a urine test. They had to watch everything. Bro. I, I had a, when, I, when I got to the uh, detention camp, I had a, a professional doctor, like a medical doctor, scanned everything in my heart. Blood test, drug test, everything, bro. He detected some cannabis in my system. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all these things like that. Like, I went through an entire process, but I just said in my mind, like, I'm just like, bro, how long am I going to be here? Mm-hmm. I want to go. I want to go to. I want to see my friends. I wanna, I'm like, my freedom's fucked. At the airport, they were like, you're going to face a 20K fine, a three year ban. And I was Shit. like, whoa. I was like, whoa. I, was like, I, remember, I remember literally taking my earrings out like this, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, the detention officer was was like he they I could see them recognizing me as I'm doing this twisting I could hear them talking about me like muttering in Maltese I understand Maltese yeah and they were saying like I seen this guy on TV I seen this guy on TV after that the mood changed and I was like a conv- I was like convicted criminal to like now a friend it was like but inside the experience of being inside I was treated hella differently compared to the rest of the like it better you think yeah like bro they was walking past I don't smoke cigarettes but when I was in there I was smoking a couple of cigarettes and I had nothing better to do in my cell bro I'm yeah. just sitting there like. I remember um, I want to write a song about it it's like because the way the cells were there was like these wires that go across making a diamond pattern so the shadows were like diamonds so it, might, it was like a diamond cell like there was diamonds all over the, the cell that probably had some meaning but yeah. um, they like these guards would walk past every hour with a torch and they're flashing your face if you're sleeping see if you're alive it was mad um, shit and the, yeah yeah and they used to give me they were giving me cigarettes all the time but these other um, prisoners uh, sorry inmates would ask for cigarettes they would get nothing bro literally like it was I, I don't know where I was only there for a few days I wasn't allowed to see the other um, of inmates a lot because protecting me because they see a British person and they're like you know I, I genuinely think they're there gonna, is a, like a danger there 100, is a risk 100% 100% fuck bro like so is it majority um, people from middle, the oh, Middle East um, North Africa mostly from like countries like Somalia Kenya okay. North East like um, some Libyans hella Libyans mm-hmm. people who have tried to go come to Europe and obviously got stopped at Malta because Malta is the first country from Africa yeah. if you're coming from that, that side mm-hmm. so hella people like that um, there was there was some from like south like Sri Lanka and things like that oh wow okay yeah, so I mean it really was very very diverse yeah, in terms yeah. of who was there but wow so you were there for three days yeah I and was, then you were released um, or no I didn't know so one, the, one of the mornings I, I was must be, I didn't know the time when you're in a cell that's the one thing you don't know the time you don't know nothing bro so do you have like access to like daylight and stuff can you see uh, the daylight outside so opposite the, where the door is there was a, a window like a tiny okay. little window but I had to climb on top of my toilet my toilet's in my cell or next to it's like built into the bed. It's mad. It's like made out of concrete. It was a concrete bed, isn't it? Okay. And there's a cell that you had to climb up and you could only see, I could only see literally like, like I wouldn't even know how to explain it. A tiny bit of sky, but there was enough light, but it was like an alleyway behind where I, where the cell was. And so mm-hmm. I could see a light, but it wasn't coming into the cell. It was just like, if I wanted to see, couldn't see the stars, nothing like that. But, but you, you had s- some inclination that it was some, it was daylight it, or it was nighttime. It was, you it, couldn't tell specifically. No, nah, yeah, time. yeah, okay. exactly. But it was the morning. Um, it was like five a.m. I could tell. You know, we just know it's morning. I just woke yeah. up. Um, and they, they literally said, get your stuff. They literally come in. They banged on the door, woke me up. I'm like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like they get your stuff. And when you, when I was in jail, I got this white bag that you carry everything in. And so you get your uniform. Yeah. And then I had my book. Um, I wasn't allowed any pens or anything like that. But I had um. I had like this. So what I was doing in the cell, mm. I was using the toothpaste they give you because they give you this toothpaste and toothbrushes, which you brush yourself in the in the cell. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the toothpaste was made of char- like black charcoal. It was like so you mm. couldn't so you couldn't kill yourself with, so you couldn't overdose with it if you wanted to. <laughs> it, it, it was like, bro, that, that this is what it was like in jail. And um, I was using, I was so bored in that. I was getting the toothpaste on my finger and just drawing up the walls. But I couldn't write or anything, bro. I was losing my mind. Yeah. I was writing on the wall, bro. I was signing, writing my name, Iris. I was signing it. Mm. I was, I was like copying Arabic and r- trying to write it down. I was, I was, I was trying to have an artist experience. But so do you? 
I mean, now that you've experienced mm. just for a little while being inside a, like an institu- uh, a prison institution or some sort of institution, do you see that there is any benefit to these things? You know what? For this one that I was in, because it was different to like, it was, it was like worse than jail. It was like man who ain't even legally allowed to be in the country. Like yeah. these men are getting treated like the worst of the worst. Like, they're, they're waiting months, pretty. Some some guys were in like years, bro. Just waiting years. Because they can't go back to the country, bro. Yeah. The country's at war or like they'll be killed if they go back. So they're, they're, what they're doing, they're seeking asylum. Or some aren't even seeking some 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 are like waiting to be convicted of deportation things like that. But in the in the cell on the in the in the actual building itself, if you was to let's say, and one thing I would say, whenever you're going anywhere, when I was going from the courtyard to the, the interview room, always like five six guards. I've travelled in a van. It was like a hundred meter walk, but I was travelled in like handcuffs all the time. Mm-hmm. I had like five guards around me all the time. It was my god. Yeah, it was crazy. But in the buildings, there's hella posters everywhere saying. Want to return home? Like, if you if you want to go home, mortar the government will pattern it for you. They'll sort it out for the minute. But I don't think anyone wanted to go back Nobody to the country. Want to go Nobody home. wants to go back. And I don't think a lot of people would make that journey no. knowing that yeah, they were going to go back 100%. to their country. And to be honest, I'll be real. Like, in the it was like three meals a day. It wasn't great food, but there was rice. It was like you know things you could survive on. Mm-hmm. If, if you you get um like twelve, I think it's like from from six a.m. in the morning till seven p.m. When it starts getting maybe in the winter or summer, it's different. But it's a decent amount of daylight. You could just sit there daylight. Sorry, chatting to all your people that you meet inside. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any friends there, bro. Genuinely, like, I was I was literally segregated from the rest out of just for security reasons. So what what was going through your mind when you were in? When you had those days, you had hours on end just to yourself, right? Bro. What, what, what was going through your mind? Like, you're stuck Bro. in a prison in your supposed home country. It was like... Ready to be deported. Like, like that's, an, it was that's incredible. The worst feeling about the it worst was, case scenario. <laughs> I mean, literally, I was so... That's what I was worried about. Like, I'm worried about... Thinking, as you said, like, bro, like, what, what, you know, my, your mind always thinks the worst, anyways, situations like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't, for me, I'm composed. Like, I, I knew that, I knew that if it came to it, like, the British are respected a lot by the Maltese government. Like, these men weren't going to convict me and arrest me. Like, the worst case scenario, they'd probably put me back and give me a ban or a fine in it. Mm-hmm. Like, luckily, I like, I, phew, luckily, they, they dropped all the charges and they just sent me back on a private flight, as I said. On a private kept, flight? Yeah, they, they, one morning they just, I said, woke me up, just they took me to the airport, bro. Mm-hmm. And there they were like, you got on a flight at 7 a.m., boom. Got me, got me a flight back to Catwick. Oh, my goodness. Because you can't, because you can't, when you, you get deported, you can't go to a different airport in a different country. You have to go to the where you came Designated. from. Yeah, okay. Like yeah. Gatwick. So I had to go to Gatwick in it. Um but bro, going from my mind at that time I'm telling you, there were so many things because as I when I came I was I had made so many plans that week, like music wise. I was meant to go to the studio of artists. I was going to the biggest music festival of the of the year to see my friends perform, see all my friends bro. Mm-hmm. And I was just like like, oh, I can't go to this, but wait, I'm in jail, it's even worse. Oh <laughs> I, I'm kinda having to fight for my life in here. I'm struggling mentally like I was good the whole time but I felt like I was going crazy. A lot of the time I'm just like like I'd, the feeling is almost like when you get told off as a kid and that like, your parents are just are trying to discipline you and you're like man you're crying you're getting really emotional but I wasn't emotional it was just like my head was just building up with like what the hell what the hell what the hell all the time just anxiety building and building yeah, up bro. and knowing that you can't do anything about yeah, this yeah, at the yeah. moment and you're literally at, in in the mercy of these prison officers and the judicial system and having some sort of Faith, faith, faith in I, I the was, system I that they. I was praying, bro. Yeah. Like, my, I wanted them to release me out to Malta because I, I was, trying, I was gonna get a job, uh, a work permit, so I can legally stay in Europe. Yeah. But these men searched the records and they were like, no, it's not, it's not further enough into the application that, that you can actually be in the country. If if you're further enough into the application where it's submitted like through the government identity Malta, yeah. you can stay in the country till your visa comes. But I didn't okay. have that, um, so I was just so worried. But I was thinking, bro, like. As, as long as I just take care of myself and be village, uh, vigilant in jail, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't get in, in trouble. I don't get like jumps at middle night because, bro, I swear on like I, w- I was worried I could hear. I would never turn my back 
when I saw a different inmate walking past me, I was so scared. And like these men, these men respectfully have nothing to lose, bro. Like nothing to lose. Well, like, they're in this, they're in this country, try, like in more to trying to trying to get away from everything. Like I can't even imagine how bad their life was in like just to get to it. like that. It really made me like now I want to go back to Malta and I want to do as much as I can in Europe anywhere mm-hmm. and just do as much for refugees. Like there's more to left. And I know you're hella political. I'm not really that political and I, I'm more of a hippie. But the thing is, <laughs> I do I do feel like every human deserves a chance, the same yeah, chance, yeah. bro. And it bro- it broke my heart. Well, you know, like all you can see in the cells is pictures of people's kids and stuff like that. Like, like, it makes me laugh. I've got goosebumps just thinking about it now and it just seeing that it's like oh, what the hell, man. And I think how the media describes these people as I mean, it's inhuman the way yeah, people, these yeah. people described. And they're I mean, we all we're all the same. We all mm. have the same aspect. Aspirations. Right, we want security. We want safety for our families. Mm-hmm. We want we want an opportunity to become who we are. Exactly, and man. I think that's not described and talked about enough in our politics. Hundred percent. But then 100%. it's it's also finding that balance between yeah. some say national security, yeah, and ter- pe- territorial pe- integrity, yeah, and peaceful civilization. All these so things. So it's that... there are lots of like components, but I completely agree that putting them into a prison yeah. <laughs> and these sort of environments, it's not good for anybody, yeah, let alone someone who's fleeing yeah. violence and persecution or that we should be treating them a lot better. And yeah, I'm, it's, it's horrible that you have to, you have to go through that and you're supposed to home country, you know, that's. Yeah, bro, that, that broke my heart. I remember the other day I saw a comment on, um, a comment on an Instagram post in it and someone said, oh, cause there was a, right now in Malta, right, right now there's, it's so hot there that yeah. there's national power outages. Yeah, yeah, there's, 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 there's no power in, in like mm-hmm. European country in it. And I commented, I was like, oh, typical Maltese. And someone commented, it was that, trying to roast me. And I was like, oh, it looks like you're a proud Maltese. I was like, I wasn't until they deported me. Until they deported me. So were you allowed, when you were in the the prison camp, were you allowed your phone? Were you allowed um, some, uh, so, like, elect- I don't any know I sh- connection to the outside world? I don't world? know if I should be saying this, but these men were giving me hella privileges. Like, I wasn't supposed to. Like, h- half through the day, like, if, if they see that I was, like, just bored out of my mind. Like, they could see the cameras in the cell in it. So when you sleep, they can see you and everything, bro, literally. Oh they'd, they'd take me to the interview room and I'd say, like, if you want to, like, write some music, if you want to make some phone. You're, when you're in cell, every prisoner gets this yellow sheet in it. There's mm-hmm. a phone number, which is your phone number. You get a phone number. So I, all, the only phone number I knew was my ex's phone number. <laughs> So I was just in this cell and I was like, I, like can I call her? I called her anyway. I called her. She hung up. Literally, she, I was. I'm in jail. I really need your help. She hung up, but whatever. Um, Shit. Yeah, but um, they give they give you like I think five or six euro to use in it, mm-hmm. and you get to if you want if you have money. Like no one had money. Like at the time, I was thankful enough when I went to when I got arrested. I had a bank card which had a little bit of money on it, so I was grateful that if I wanted cigarettes or I can go get cigarettes. But that's all you're allowed. You're that's not allowed you're to allowed. buy. Yeah, just cigarettes. So let's let's move away from that. <laughs> Wait, no, I'll bring it back. What did you think? What if you do you think you learned anything from that experience? Bro. Because I mean that's very traumatic, and I mean it's a lot of time to yourself. So it's a lot of time reflection and yeah. moving on. So what did you? What bro, do you think you ego, learned? Ego death. Ego death. Hundred percent. Ego death. Like like that entire definition of, of that time. I'm telling you, like you're sitting in there and you're like I. Everything that I am before my life, everything that I was before this moment right here, mm-hmm. you know, all the music t- uh, things I've done in music, all the times in my life I've, I've played football or I've done anything, achieved anything in my life, that doesn't matter. Right now, I'm right here, right now, I'm facing this. And you're just humbled at who you are. Mm-hmm. It, it Spiritually, it was so good for me, bro. Like, meditating. I was astral projecting in my soul, bro. I, I don't know if you know what that means, but uh, like, bro, I, I, mean, was like, I, I was like, well, I was like, so. yeah, I was meditating. I was like, Bro, I was, I was, it was really good spiritually, but like it was, and it builds you, humbles you to a, to like a human level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see that some of these people have been there for years and 100%. just seeing how they live day to day, that must have had an impact and seeing bro, bro, the power heart. of, the power of humans as well yeah. as our, in, our ability to, to keep going, you know, yeah, yeah, to yeah. struggle on and just have hope. 
mm-hmm. I think that's not talked about enough. Like, 100%. You, I, th- I'm, I don't know from personal experience, but I'm assuming a lot of those people who's in that camp, including yourself, you had hope that one day yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll be able to go out into that, the world. That, that's the one thing as well, like, as you just asked that question. Hope and faith is like the one thing you're holding on to. It's like, like you're praying, literally praying to like, I wasn't even religious till I stepped into that. So, you know, I was spiritual, but then, mm-hmm. But like I'm, I've always been brought up in a, in a Christian because I'm Maltese Christian Catholic family. Mm-hmm. But like I, I didn't worship that. So I'm telling you, you connect with a, with a higher different realm of faith, and that you, you're mm-hmm. in a, you're just faith and and just hope that something's gonna go right for you. That's all you I imagine in these inmates. That's all they're holding on to, literally. Mm-hmm. And you think you're gonna be you're translating this into daily life now? So the stuff you learn in terms of spirituality and religion. Hundred percent, bro. Like whenever I, the other day. Um, I can't remember what I was doing. I was doing something that was just, I had an argument with my friend and I was just like, see, I was a bit worked up. And I was like, bro, shut up. I can, I can talk to him. I can literally say hello to him. I can call him on the phone. I can go get a sandwich from him. Like mm-hmm. when you're in jail, like, I was, you, there's, there's no choice. You ain't got a choice. Like you are held against your will, your hope and faith is everything. So your power isn't even you. Your, your power isn't someone else, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's made me realize now, no matter where I am, bro, there's always a way. You understand? Like, there's always, there's always, especially in modern my life, and I'm very privileged being from the UK. I'm a, I'm a citizen of this country. It's one of the best countries in the world. Mm-hmm. That you can, you can make phone calls from anywhere. We have such beautiful <laughs> facilities to people who are like in jail. You don't understand the communication. Like, I didn't speak to her. when I got when I got on the plane. I spoke to the steward. Um, the so the, the, the yeah, what, the, what do you call the, the flight attendant? Flight attendant. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, like just hearing her voice, it like, freaked me out. <laughs> it, it, I was like, I'm speaking to a human. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like, it was just. It's it's an unreal feeling. It's nothing compared to what you experienced. But I did a meditation retreat uh, like mm. last year. Really? And I I was I became a monk for a week. Really? Let's oh, say. Bro, I love and, that. And I didn't speak. Yeah, you don't speak. To, I didn't speak yeah, to anybody yeah, yeah. for a week. And suddenly, when you start interacting with people again, <laughs> it's trying so, it's trying to like relearn how mm. like how communication works. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a very surreal. It makes you go back to like the like the the being of a human, like mm-hmm. the literal being, understanding. Oh, like we we all just like. A creature like we're just organisms that are just able to communicate and then boom here we are like <laughs> we are man. and we're live we're living whatever that whatever living means consciousness consciousness all that is, stuff like whatever that, that is, is it? whatever that is and whatever that entails it's a beautiful thing and mm. i think the media and and as you said i'm very political but yeah yeah the media and politics itself doesn't doesn't talk about the human aspect. Hundred percent, bro. Like, I'm glad you said that, and it's nice hearing someone who's political <laughs> like, who says that. It's, it's it's a direction where I would like politics yeah. to go. So you're you're back in the UK now. Yes. And I know you've just released two new songs because yeah. one has just dropped today. <laughs> yeah, one came out of midnight to, uh, today. Yeah. So what what are the names? Where can um, they find it? So the first song I released was um, "We Can Have It All." We it's can have no. I've listened. That's on my playlist. I'll I swear down. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Thank you. That's so nice to hear. Um, that's a collaboration with a Canadian artist uh, called Christina Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing singer, amazing musician. You know what I'm saying? Like, How did you get in contact? Oh, with bro, them? one of them ones there. Like, you know when you just have mutuals on Instagram, and then yeah. boom, one day you see like a reel, and I'm like, oh, that's a banging voice. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. they, they know how to make banging music videos. I was like, you know, let me follow you. And then suddenly, bro, it was must be like April when I just come back to the UK. I didn't have a phone at the time. Literally, yeah. I was on my laptop. And I was on my, logs on Instagram, and then I must have manifested it. Well, because because <laughs> then she hit me up, and I was like, she was like, you wanna make a song? Like, I know you're new to me. She was really hesitant at first because I hadn't released anything. Like, I'm I'm decent level musician, artist, rapper, whatever you wanna call me. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't put anything out to the world, so there was no nothing to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably what I was facing for real, like over these last few months. Um, from from December, there was nothing out there. So as much as I'm a musician, and I wanna live my life, my career. I couldn't because I couldn't show nobody. It was kind of like. I had to just present myself in the best and all my work would be pending and loading. But with Christina, she gave me a chance. Um, 
we found a beat uh, literally online. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, we can bang to this. <laughs> I, I was in the studio uh, recording a song with my producer, Chris. Is this uh, in, in London? or? Uh, this was in uh, Croydon. And um, yeah, so my, my my friend Chris, my producer, um, is, is at his BSH. You can find him, Prod by BSH, something like that. Um, amazing producer. He li- we linked up and he was like, bro, let me mix and master this track. Within, like, literally, I wrote the verse within a few days and boom. Song songs ready and and that's amazing and yeah the other one's a Serbian collaboration with um, a Serbia guy that I know from Malta I know his older brother from when we used to spark joints by this hippie bar called um, <laughs> Happy Days literally I met him there and then he had a younger brother who's like a big you know like hustle type guy you know one of them yeah. guys and um, <laughs> yeah. yeah he just said you make music and it's funny enough I was on the way to the studio in um, my friend's house in Epsom my boy um, JXN probably by JXN shout out to him amazing producer um, and and the car. Um, um, this guy uh, Marco his, his name is Buff he mm-hmm. he sent me a beat the stems and everything so I wrote a, a quick verse I wrote like a 16 bar verse and an 8 bar hook mm-hmm. in the car got to the studio we recorded it turned it into absolute like the production of that song is a mm-hmm. banger but yeah I, I mean I re- I've listened to it non-stop since really? in preparation for this podcast really? as oh, well as and it's shit. just it's just a banger it's a very upbeat which yeah I like. yeah hello but what goes in to songwriting because you said you just you just rapped out you know you just wrote down a okay, little eight bar uh, sixteen bar so what go what goes into songwriting and music production what what's the what's the inspiration is it is it different each time honestly bro it depends on the artist and it for me my style of, like a lot of artists have seen me work and they're like what's your style how do you do it people have asked me to like just to come in the studio and just just write something just so they can see my style in it mm. I think it depends for a lot of artists for me. Bro, it's articulation of how I feel. Like everything in my music, every single thing, even even the song I wrote today about uh, the drill kind of thing. Like some of the lyrics are hella like, oh, but that's things I've experienced. I'm just expressing what I know. Like my perception of the world, I'm just putting it out into words and like, the articulation of my my emotions. I love that shit. But um, it depends. I think when it comes to songwriting, you just have a beat, a melody. You know, you can, you can have, if you if you're like a, an indie artist and you're like mm-hmm. actually playing yourself, then it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But more time myself as as a rapper, you kind of hear a beat. You kind of get an idea and you can just, you know, freestyle to bop to it, catch the flow, catch the wave, and then mm. boom, suddenly. Well, I, usually I hear the instruments and I, I've leveled up to a level, like I've done enough psychedelics in my time that I know, <laughs> I know, I know music. We'll get into that. <laughs> I, I want to hear your, your opinion. I know, I know music is a language. Like yeah. I, I can hear an instrument like a guitar and I'm like, oh, like if you, like I can try and work out what emotion I'm feeling from the sound, as, as mad as the sound from the vibration of the, the music. And if I hear uh, like an instrument, I'm like, oh, it just brings, it brings me back to like a memory where I'm hearing like, I know, nostalgia or sadness mm-hmm. or happiness or love, and I can tell straight away. So I can write about that, I can articulate that. But for other artists, it depends really. It's an articulation of a vibe. Yeah, right? yeah, facts. As um, yeah, the vibrations. It's it, it. I don't. I don't really know the science behind mm-hmm. it, but it's those those waves, those subatomic waves. Yeah. And how that influences with your body promote provokes a physiological yeah. response, yeah, right? Yeah. And then it's how you how you respond to that. And mm-hmm. a lot of people. It's not easy for people to articulate and express yeah. what they're feeling. So being able to use music as your way of expressing, and you also talked in the last podcast that a lot of poetry is yeah. also you expressing your experiences, your emotions. Mm-hmm. So that's really like inspiring. Yeah, well, idea. thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's nice to say that when I when I used to like not write music and I used to do poems or I was playing football. Um, I used to think like songwriting was the hardest thing ever. I was like, what? Like, I'd never be able to write a song. What the hell? You got to try and match it on beat. Mm-hmm. It took me. It took me a minute. When I, bro, if you could hear some of my first songs, we're, <laughs> we're lucky, bro. You wouldn't. You wouldn't have me on. I swear down. But um, <laughs> no, nah, bro. Like, there's a lot of that goes into to music writing, not just like poetry writing. So it's a whole difference. But I think you start to learn that the way people articulate. It's like it's almost like patterns that like, people can articulate in in different 
ways that they from the way they see the world. Mm -hmm. That's why that's when I hear a song, bro. Like even one of my friends, I I don't know how serious people are about music, but when I hear a song, I'm like, bro, let me just see. That's someone's entire life perception mm -hmm. articulated into like 64 words. Let me see what they wrote about <laughs> in this song that connects to emotions, feelings, vibrations, and all that stuff in between. Like, let me see that. And that you see that, and then. And you you get to you you start to know and get to know this person even though you don't yeah, necessarily meet yeah, this person yeah. right you're reading their life mm. in sixty four words yeah. or whatever their it is perception, even their perception their perception even better like which yeah. isn't even expressed because how do you express perception in the normal <laughs> world like how do you how do you express perception like right and I think people express that through through creativity through mm. music through potentially podcasts mm. you know who yeah, knows yeah, exactly. people may be analyzing my life perception right now I already am bro I've been doing that for a minute you gotta watch out <laughs> but I, I don't know I've always thought that music music like songwriting poetry just any of that kind of stuff it's so alien to me mm -hmm. and I mean I've tried writing songs mm -hmm. <laughs> I think everybody might have, must have tried at one, yeah, bit, at one yeah. point but the fact that you've still kept you kept going even though Life is throwing you some bro, massive hurdles. Swear down. My, my 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 character arc must be like that, bro. I swear <laughs> down. I must, I must be destined for the top. I've been through some things that you know. When I first, I told you when I first came to uni, I could I make I couldn't make no friends, bro. No one believed that my life story. Like they asked where I'm from, and I told them where I'm from. Or they they asked like why I'm at uni, or just just general conversation. And I, they wouldn't trust what I'm saying. They think I'm a liar. Mm -hmm. A couple of my friends were like pulling me aside, apologizing, saying, "Bro, I'm sorry. Like at first, I treated you that like I thought you was a liar." So genuinely. I'm ho I'm hoping in it the trajectory is good, but I think a lot of people initially start off when they meet new people and they tell people to, uh, you start uh, talking about your experiences and your stories. Mm -hmm. People always ad uh, address it with a, a sense of distance, yeah, and yeah. they don't really trust it at first. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a innate pri uh, like primal kind of instinct, mm -hmm. but I think overcoming that and actually getting to know and start to trusting a per yeah. another person. It's a tough thing. Yeah, it's a very, very especially tough thing. in the Western world. Like, I, I like I, from my time when I've been around different culture. I'm telling you, bro. Like, they treat humans as human. Here, it's so almost systematic that, like, mm -hmm. I I wouldn't look at somebody and, and be able to read or understand or even trust their energy. Like, mm -hmm. like when I walk even on the way from the train station to here today, mm -hmm. I I have to look two two ways that people I have to like try and see different sides of them before I've even heard their voice or even looked what they're wearing properly because I'm just fearful of what's going on in society, anyways. Mm -hmm. So I think it's and it definitely. Uh, maybe it's something to do with the very, very individualist cult culture of the West that's been developed. But I do, I definitely agree in the sense that living abroad, you you get to experience yeah. a lot of a lot of different ways of communicating with. It people. opens your mind as well to like there's just more than what I've lived my entire life. There's more than like you're just. It's more than just just you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a very, yeah, very yeah, like yeah. different and hard thing to sometimes mm -hmm. acknowledge. Um, yeah, to take and to accept. And you, you've got to swallow your pride and be like, you know what? The world doesn't revolve me. There's so much beauty in the world. There's, there's so, so much, much beauty. Yeah, yeah. There's so, and ev it's everywhere. Like <laughs> genuinely, it's everywhere. It's it's every step you take. You you go into a park, yeah. you see some of the birds just flying around yeah, doing their you. thing. This is kind of strange, but in my, every morning I have, I have breakfast outside. In, really? And I have like a little patio type thing in mm -hmm. my, where, my shared house. And there's a bench. Mm -hmm. I take my, my coffee. My scrambled eggs. I sit there, and I just watch. The, I had the bro, same squirrel just jump. That's the most from, meaningful like, shit in the world. I'm right? telling you, that's the most meaningful. I'm telling you, I promise you, there's nothing more meaningful than seeing the world like that. Seeing the percep like, it's perception. I'm telling you, there's something about as well spiritually. I'm hella spiritual. There's something about perceiving. It's almost like we're all one consciousness. And the, if mm -hmm. I perceive reality, actual reality, and mm -hmm. not systematic reality or yeah. or constructual reality, I mean like actual reality, what the universe put her. If I perceive that, it's almost like I I like 
my vibration gets high, I can feel like I'm in a good mood. Like if, mm -hmm. if I'm seeing birds, if I'm hearing the trees, I'm seeing the way, it's something like hearing reality and like interacting with that just brings you up. It's so weird. It does. And and I think, because um, you, you're based in the London, like wider London yeah, area, yeah, yeah. right? I I've no, I was just in London a couple of days ago and I noticed that there's a, it's a it's a lot greener than I thought it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought I when you think of London, London's you think the greenest of, city in the world. I think because you, you see just mass. You just think of massive skyscrapers, mm. busy, busy city, Parliament, busy stuff, yeah, nonstop. No. But then there are so many opportunities just to go yeah. and just sit there. Things like Greenwich Hill, <laughs> there, there, there's like Shooters Hill and and Southeast London near where I live. I'm telling you, it's so beautiful. Like you can go over to the top and there's just a massive field, public park. There's trees, there's benches, and then if you want to look back and see the the, the city life, and still you can see the entire view of the city mm. with the sunset. It's beautiful. And I think London is a really a great, I mean, because a lot of great artists have mm. appeared and just popped off in London. Yeah, London's, London's a place. It's it's like um when you're in London, it's like you're in a magical flare. Like some something will genuinely like lift you. Like you'll meet somebody who just just happens to know somebody who's gonna take you to it. It's, it's almost like it's a like London's a place to be in. It's kinda mad because I'll be trying to escape London my whole life. Mm -hmm. But I do understand the beauty of and how powerful London is. Yeah. And have you have you encountered some? I mean, we we encountered each other like that just <laughs> yeah. randomly like that. But is there any standout person that you've just ran into in London? Like, is, in London or just oh, mate, somebody yeah, crucial yeah. to your, um, your when I, when I, when I was I just moved to Malta after fleeing the UK. I was homeless in Malta. Literally, this is January two thousand and twenty three this year, mm -hmm. and I was homeless and I was I had no money. I had nothing. I was just walking around estate agents. Okay, and. And just randomly, I was looking at, also my friend, he's a rapper called Moody. And we were just looking at properties, see how much it was I was going to say, okay, let me try and get my life together. Let me get, let me see how much money I need to buy rent, you know. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go to an estate agent anyways, but I was just having a look. Yeah. And I, the first guy I meet, bro, is a British guy. His name's Jay. I'm not going to give too much personal information, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? But his, his father was the CEO of Aston Microphones. So like the, huh. uh, the Aston Spiral, like bro, like <laughs> his father was the CEO and we just, we connected like brothers, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. he was a real, real G, we just, we, he showed me some of his work. He was a songwriter, we just linked up. Next thing you know, we're, we're at his crib, we're writing music. I'm seeing technology that I've never even seen in my life <laughs> in music. I'm seeing like this egg thing that is like, <laughs> like bending the wavelengths of music around the room. I'm like, what the hell? But no, that was just a, like, in terms of like a journey and the, mm -hmm. like w when I kind of aligned with songwriting, weird things, kept, I kept meeting people who just, just subconsciously were so powerful in, in in presence of music and how much that means to me just weird things like that and i think when when you have those when you make those connections with people it's it's something you can't really explain yeah yeah it's something subatomic so like yeah, molecular yeah, to some yeah, extent, yeah, you know? it's it's almost like you're you're kind of meant it, there's a meet. there's a japanese phrase i don't you might know it's a japanese it means like I don't know how to pronounce it or say it in Japanese, but the the translation is something like it's in the moment now, and now is the only time you're ever gonna experience it. It's one of those moments. Me and my friends have a joke. We call it the DXM moment. But the thing is that <laughs> like there's times in in life where I'm, I'm like I'm certain this is where I'm supposed to be right now meeting this mm -hmm. person. This is this is a crucial step into where I'm going. And you know what? It, like even being the port and being in the UK, mm -hmm. I was feeling so like anxious. I was like, man, I've wasted. I, I wish I was in Malta, my studio with my friends writing music. And then I went to the studio the other day with my boy Chris, uh, and we recorded some bangers, bro. I just mm. showed you these after I swear down. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm telling you, and I'm, after that I was like, wait, I'm supposed to be here right now mm -hmm. at this exact moment. Like, I just made me like humble myself to where I am and where I'm, my journey, like just trusting, you know, the pathway of life. Trust, I mm. think, because I mean all the traumatic experiences you've <laughs> you've told us about, and I I, I bet. I mean, from the outside, it it would my first assumption would be trust and building relationships. It would be kind of tough because mm. you've been institutionalized. Yeah, but yeah. you've 
you seem to be proving that wrong yeah, every single it's, it's day. It's funny you say that. You know, it's fu- so funny you say that. When I got robbed in December, which made me flee the UK, I held the doors for the train for the guys that robbed me. Do you know what I mean? I literally held the doors so they can get on the train, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've faced betrayal. I've seen betrayal, bro. I've experienced, you know. It just builds you as a person. It, it, in fact, it's made me trust people more. But, like, at a, a subatomic level, literally, mm-hmm. like, it's making me trust them at, like, a barrier level. At, like, cool. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a saying that someone told me, I think my aunt, um, it's like, trust everybody until they give you a reason to not trust them. So yeah. now now I was looking out for why I should trust them. Mm-hmm. Now I'm looking out for why I shouldn't trust them. So like my, my perception of things have changed. It's not like I've changed as a person. Mm-hmm. My perception has changed slightly. So now I'm just noticing things, how I can just see people. Because especially being in the, the media as well, you know, sometimes even when I was on TV and stuff, like you can see how people act and the way they treat you. Like they're, they're looking at me for what I am and not who I am. So mm-hmm. so you said you were you were robbed in, yeah. in December. Oh. What, I mean... What what happened? There? Oh, bro, I was on the way to. Um, I was gonna make some music. I was on the way. I think I was in Barking. I was on the train, and it was weird. I feel like whenever I've missed my train, or I've got the wrong train, or something like when I when I've just done something at the last minute, mm-hmm. it's almost like the universe is like, what the hell's happening? And it has yeah. thrown me an absolute like curveball, yeah. absolute curveball. And I was I was meant to be meeting my friend Z at the at West Ham train station and mm-hmm. I got off at uh, I got off at West Ham and I changed the Hamilton City line. I'm thinking it's gonna go eastbound. Nah, it's gonna go back to towards that plaster. <laughs> and I, I seen these guys um r- running for the train and I held the door for them and they was like they was like thank you so much. I was like, oh it's cool man. I sat down I, at the time I was homeless. Literally other than uni, you know it was it was the off season for uni, it was fifteenth of December. Mm-hmm. So at the time I was just literally living on sofas at my uncle's place at my grandma's place, just trying to survive in it before yeah. I come back to uni. Um and actually wearing like like it wouldn't even look like some why would you rob this guy like, i was i was in like these jeans that just were terrible i was wearing it was, i was with my unlucky shoes i got hit in Ger- hit in germany with um and you yeah. can't wear those shoes again bro. Oh, <laughs> it's funny i wore them um i've been wearing them constantly just to wear them out and now they're yeah. so worn that the shoes are talking to me you know when you start walking the shoes start talking and yeah, then yeah, once yeah, they're yeah. Bro, <laughs> the laces are like i'm tying them you know you know the part where like um the, the lace goes through the hole in the shoe. All right, my, my lace don't go through that anymore. It's, the, it's, it's so like, it looks like a, like I'm trying to, I'm going to use a crazy analogy, right? Good, you, yeah. you know a horse's tail? A horse's, yeah, okay. You, you yeah, know yeah. how it's like, it's oh, like okay, when yeah. it's like spreading out. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, no, bro, that's how all my shoelaces look on that shoe now. Like I can't, I literally forced myself to wear it so much that I can't wear them again. <laughs> But um, so it was those shoes that you were you were robbed in on the it was on the tube then. Yeah, literally, like literally, like seven or eight p.m. in Hammersmith City line. It was at um. So it's quite like it's still a, it's uh, a mainstream line. TfL, the there's there's, yeah. spo- there's supposed to be police. The, the the national transport British Transport Police Hub is in West Ham. The station down. It took the police an hour and a half to get to me. And it's not even. I didn't want the police. I went to get help at the next station after I got robbed. Like it was knives and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, shit. It was an, Wait, so so yeah, I was fully attacked, bro. So on the train they attacked yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So you were sitting down, and then these it was it, uh, three guys. I, I was sitting. I was sitting down on the train, literally just yeah. sat down, arms pocket. I never put my headphones in. Nothing. I know. I I'm from London. I'm very. You know. I know what's going on there. Yeah. And like I see, I see three people. Um, there's three people standing up in it. The guys that have the train, and then their friend was on the. He ran to a different carriage and he came through. After after the train started moving. Um, one of them came and sat, literally, they all come over to me. I was like, oh, you know when you just know, you, you know, s- oh, you shit, know yeah. something's not right. One of them sat right on the right of me, had a knife through a jacket so you couldn't see the cap, like through like that. So it was poking into me, like digging into my chest like that. Oh, fuck. And then, and if someone sat opposite me, a guy to the left who's going through my backpack, because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I kept my backpack on my back, on my back. That's how I knew yeah. someone was off that day. And, and there was a guy standing up, literally looking down at me, all with masks, all with like, like balaclava balaclava ski mask everything on the cctv cameras when i see it when the when the police showed me it back it was like 
like uh, if if I would have seen them walking through the station, I would have known they were about to commit a crime. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know yeah. why the police didn't stop them. Like who who lets them go through a <laughs> with balaclavas on? Well, yes. and, um, yeah. Anyways, they put a knife to my chest. They was actually like, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, they they wanted they didn't want my phone. They wanted me to put the pass on us, bro. I'm not giving you the pass. I spoke to them for like five minutes. I was sent to them, like, bro. Look, how old are you guys? Like, probably like my age, bro. Like, do you understand? You're committing an arm, bro. I was trying. I was chatting to them like humans. I was like, do you understand, bro? Did like. Tomorrow, I'll I'll put you in a in a position where you can, you can earn the price of this phone. It was my iPhone 13 at the time. That's all I had, and I just been surviving in uni on on literally like like 50 pound a month, bro. Because like, at the time I didn't have student loan, mm-hmm. and I literally got, lost my biggest house at my phone, which all my files. I took my laptop as well. Um, yeah, bro. I got into a little bit of a confrontation, a bit of commotion. We was fighting a little bit. I got a scar here now from like a blade, but I was, I, thankfully I have my life in it. I, I knew when there was a knife involved, I couldn't fight these four guys. You know, I was on my own literally. The most annoying thing was about that whole experience when they got off the train. Like, well, I just did the heart sign to them, and I said, "Look, I'm putting my love to the world, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I got I got hurt today. I got betrayed by the world today, but I'm putting my heart out to the world. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I remember them all looking. I remember after I got off the train, they got off the train. All of them were looking at me nervous like that." Like almost like they felt so guilty, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and straight after that, the train was moving because they didn't let me get off the train. I was supposed to be getting off. I couldn't even get off the train. They just didn't let me in it because they, they knew I was going to probably report them or something. Yeah. And then I walked down the carriage. Yeah. Um, and everyone else is on their phone, sitting down, like, like didn't even know this whole thing happened. Sitting uh, there, and there must be ten people. And I'm saying, sorry, I've just been robbed. Can I borrow your phone? No. Can I? Can I please? Can I call the police? No. Can I? Like ten people. It was almost. You know, I said earlier, it's in the part of a movie. Genuinely, I was like, what the shit. fuck, bro? Like this was meant to happen to me. So no, nobody got involved when they saw there was a bit bro. of a fight. There was something going on. It wasn't th- until I got out of the station and yeah. I was running up the platform to mm-hmm. go, and the guy said, "No running." I said, "Guy, I, I'm a victim of an armed robbery. I need to, I need to, call, I need to call the police." Yeah. I wasn't trying to call the police. I was trying to call my friend Z just to yeah. let him know that I won't be at the station because I got robbed in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he closed the door. He locked me in. He he like he wouldn't even let me. This guy wouldn't even let me use his phone to call anybody I know. Like he was he was being so. So was this one of the station? People? Yeah, one of one of the staff of the National Rail. Um, just he was being, you know, he was, he was doing his job so too well. Like it's like this guy had no human humanity left. He was just doing Shit. by the paycheck literally. And um, the police took like an hour and a half to arrive. They just quit. they wrote all the things down. I had all the information. I had their phone number, everything. Cause oh, you had their phone number. Be- before. Um, before they come up to rob me, when I just got the train, they asked me. They asked me if I had weed. I said if I want to buy weed, and I said I don't have my phone number right now, but I'll take your number. I wrote it down in it, so I had their phone number. I was smart about that. <laughs> I was. Smart. I'm too far ahead in it. They still robbed me, but um, I don't know really what happened with that case. I don't know if they got grabbed or if, if the police are still looking for them. But they, I didn't get. I didn't get nothing. Yeah. That's horrible that happened. So shit, man. I lost everything, bro. I had to flee the country. I had death threats. These man. These man were writing, sending me emails. Saying like we know you went to the police, like you know what I'm saying. I was I was I was terrified for my life. I had to flee the country, bro. Do you know the Do you know these nah, people? No, bro. Or, that, like, like at first I was like, there's no way like they would have known I was going through there at this time. There's no way. I don't know if there's somebody who had seen me and just me like I know this guy on social media. He has a he wears a lot of bunch of clothes. I I don't yeah. know what was going on there. It was just uh, it was it was hella mad. Um, uh, but I'm I'm just you you're. Know, I mean I'm glad that you got it out. You you got out alive. You yeah, know? that's what the police said. And the police said look, you did the right thing and that you handed your phone over. At the end of it, literally, I said to them, um, I put the phone password and I was like, bro, uh, if you're gonna take the phone, take it. I said to them, bro, I'm not trying to die right now. And these men were showing them, they, they showed me a knife that was like, I'm telling you, like, it would went through my body and come out the other side. I was like, Shit. I wasn't even trying to fucking play, you know what I mean? I wasn't trying to lose my life to a phone, bro, as much as I needed that right there, right then, and there. Now, if someone tries to do it again, well, I'm going down with a phone, and I've decided, no, I'm going down with a phone, bro. I'm going <laughs> down with a phone. phone no, again. not again, bro. <laughs> Fuck! I mean, the fact that you still come out of that situation with, with hope and yeah. love—that it fucked me for a minute. That, that says a lot because 
those situations change people. hundred percent. And the fact that you, <laughs> you, you, I mean, it's Bro, a power move as well. You know, I, just showing I, love to the them. The police well. thought it was a fraud attempt. They thought we was. But you were fraud. They, they thought I was committing fraud because 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 the way I handled it, we were because I was speaking to them for like five minutes. But these men had knives to my chest, and I was just trying to check. Them. I was like, guys, like you, you know what you're doing. You're committing an armed robbery. If you guys get fucked, you're gonna get fucked for this. You're committing an armed robbery on public transport. Innit? There's there's cameras everywhere. They were listening to me. Innit? They all there was three three of them were listening to me. There was one guy who actually took my phone. He wasn't listening. These these other guys were like, you know what? This guy might be saying something that we should follow his advice. You could tell, but they, they heard my accent. I've got. I think when they come up to me, they didn't expect really me to have like a London accent. But they straight away they knew it. They was like, oh shit, this guy might know some stuff in it. And when I took their phone number down, they could see they were looking at each other a little bit weird in it. Um, but they still robbed me in it, whatever. That's fucked. Mm-hmm. I, I'm happy that you got alive and you still have the the great mindset of let's keep going. Yeah. Let's show this, show the world the love. Show the show, world, bro. Show the world who who you are. The universe has a has. Better plans for me. I had to come to terms with that. You know what I'm saying? For the first few, few weeks, especially like going from from that at uni, having a, a career, to now homeless in a in a Mediterranean country where you don't know anybody. It was just yeah. It's 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 absolutely crazy. I'm just trying to comprehend, and it's it's <laughs> it's unreal. But you still have time to create bangers like these yeah, songs you're mean, releasing on Spotify and everything. It set me know? back for a minute, bro. But after this, after this. Um, after this event, I wrote a song called Fairy Tale. It hasn't released yet. I'm gonna record it at the studio. It's a project I'm working on. And uh, the song called Fairy Tale, I was like, bro, my life's a fairy tale. Like the things that happen in my life, surely, bro, like surely <laughs> at some point, bro. There's the happy ending at the end. Surely, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I'm just yeah. As I said, I, I wrote that song to express how I'm feeling. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll show you after. You'll see the type yeah. of song. It's, it's it's a hella like faith song. Like I genuinely believe that there's, there's a journey for me. And I think. It it brings on. It reminds me of a a podcast I listened to. It was talking about masculinity and mm. how men, well, in in the olden days, men and pretty much today, we all go through a lot of struggle. Men mm. specifically, we go 100%. through a lot, a lot of struggle, and that's just the way of life. Mm-hmm. And I think the Buddha says this as well. The only the only certainty in life is suffering and pain, mm-hmm. but it's how you deal. And yeah, channel yeah. that struggle and yeah, that pain facts. into something that can be so, worthwhile. Someone, someone said to me that that and that and it's through your music that you're yeah, you're man, channeling. I'm this. channeling everything, bro. And oh, oh, someone said to me is like when you get that when these things happen to you, like these kind of events in life, it's like an energy, bro. You can use this how you can you can you you have so much power. Mm-hmm. You have so much power with the universe, like some kind of connection to the universe and where you're going. You can now use this and put it towards your journey and actually. Bro, you've 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 took like it's like an orb. I see it as an orb. My my witch, my witch aunt, hella spiritual. I'm telling you, weird <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, um, she told me like she kind of said it in a way that anything you experience bad in life, still alive. Yeah, we're good. We're right, good. We cut that. Fuck. Um, <laughs> anything that you experience in life, um, like that, it's like an orb. You collect it, and it's like an it's surrounding your aura now. Mm-hmm. You know, robbery, boom. Um, getting hit by a car, boom. All these things like that just part of of now your legacy and you you gotta use this these orbits will carry you through life that's what i done you have control and you you control how these events change you yeah and it's what you do after these events mm-hmm. to build yourself to a place where you can you can deal with so much yeah and deal with this pain and struggling and create something magical yeah man exactly <laughs> like, that's the beauty of it and especially like you listen to some of the I never used to like sad music. I still don't like it too much because I, I hear side music. Sad music, like, oh, so, okay, so, like yeah, yeah. not not sad, but like 
hella emo, more like mm. suicidal music. Like, yeah, yeah. I can I can feel vibrations music. So when I when I when a song is on high vibration, I know I'm like, bro. Mm. I say to my I say to my homies all the time, I was like, be careful that be careful that low vibration music. I don't listen to that stuff. Yeah, It'll bring yeah. you down. But um, yeah. But if you see the art artistic way, like one of my favorite artists is Juice World. You watch, I, your, I love Juice. You World, know Juice World. Yeah, of course, I love bro. Juice World. Oh, yeah. Nine nine nine. <laughs> but if you listen to some of the things he says and the way he, he like adds his own struggles, paying all that into music, and it's like even though it's like depressing, it's like it's. Oh, it's so it's art. art. It's mm-hmm. like what you're, he's he's writing about how exactly how I'm feeling, and he's explaining it in a well in a way that I couldn't even explain. Like it's like literally art, bro. And as you said at the the very beginning, it's in, it's an introduction into their perception, yeah, and their ways of yeah. living and dealing, mm-hmm. dealing. And I think masculinity nowadays, talking about how we deal with our struggles and express that struggles mm-hmm. needs to be re-emphasized at least. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah. And I think. I mean, because it is it is true to some extent that men have a tr- have trouble expressing yeah. what what we're feeling out of mm-hmm. out of fear of shame or whatever. Yeah, I think also like the psychological the psychology of that as well. Like we're men, we're like we're, we're our entire life we're looking up to people who are above us, and we're like, oh, he's a man. If he cries, it's like a sign of weakness. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't do that. But wait, I just experienced the maddest thing in my life. I, I want to cry. I can't cry. You know, what I mean, it's things like that. It's like yeah. I know exactly what you mean, bro. And I feel like, what do you think we can just like as a society can be changed to make men more like more more expressive? I yeah, think without without it being like they're like embarrassed by it, you know? I think it starts off with just having those those these conversations and having mm-hmm. that person you trust. Yeah, yeah. And just emphasizing that, yo, whatever you go through, mm-hmm. I'm here. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, I'm facts. here to talk to you. Yeah, I'm man. here to support you. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have a have an, have a little bit of an issue with accepting the fact that people want to support you. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. want to build you up. Want yeah. want to see you succeed. Mm-hmm. Right? I think having these conversations very young and saying, "Yo, a man mm-hmm. you're going to go through this. As a man, yeah, as a, yeah. as a person, you're going gonna to go hard. through struggle. You're yeah, going to yeah. go through pain. But it's just how you deal with it. Yeah. Talk to me about it. We'll help you." One thing I've learned from that you're saying that reminds me of um, some of the things I've experienced. I've, I've seen that I've met a bunch of people in my life, people who are rich. I've sat at a family worth three million. I've sat at dinner with some people from the South family. You know what I mean? I've I've, mm-hmm. made, I've been on the streets eating with a homeless guy, sharing a, like yeah. leftover McDonald's. You know, I've I've been through it in life. And one one thing I can say is genuinely, bro, when it comes to different people, like no matter no matter where you are, material material wise, no matter where you are emotionally. Like everyone's difference. Even even if I was going through a mad thing, and you're like, oh, but you only there isn't there isn't oh like you're going through that. It's like, oh wait, I don't I wouldn't I'm not you. I can't even understand it. But you know what? I like I am genuinely on the same team as you. We're playing we're playing the same game. We're gonna, we're gonna like take over the world. Like exactly. And you got this. That's that's the kind of energy that I want to see the youth, especially the youth, and especially like mm-hmm. coming to secondary school, like year seven, year eight. That when when you go into like um when you go into like almost like young adulthood, literally. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, that needs to be... It's a big change. It's 100%. a big change going from your life being da- like regimented from the like from the daily when you're going to school and all that mm-hmm. and then coming to uni when you have so much... <laughs> oh, bro. Free- you have freedom, <laughs> so but much. Some, sometimes freedom can... It, it's either yeah, liberating yeah, yeah. or it's destructive. Especially coming to uni, if it's the first time you've ever like been out of a home with it where your parents and your family have been there for you and suddenly you're now looking at your, your university dorm walls like, oh, what am I doing here? Where am I going? Oh, shit, is this even for me? Oh, wait, am I, am I doing enough? Am, am I, it's my social life. You know, mm. you know exactly what it's I'm It's all doing. these anxieties just building up mm. when... <laughs> I, I think that's why it's so important, like even just going to the gym and getting in the gym like a couple of times a day 
Um, daily regimen, daily habits. I think habits. Yeah, yeah. I think Ed Sheeran wrote a banger song about that, about called Bad Habits. And the song, Bad Habits. People yeah. have heard, like people have heard the melody of it. Mm-hmm. But the song's about like him saying like all these bad things in life that that, you, that are habitual mm-hmm. are because like one bad habit or you didn't you didn't get into a good habit of doing something like, a good routine. Mm-hmm. I definitely, and I think. A, that reminds me of a book I read called 12 Rules for Life, Jordan, uh, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, bro, that's a banging book. He talks, one of the rules he says is make your bed every morning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's so it's so powerful. It's so simple yet powerful. Mm-hmm. It's simple that, okay, you wake up in the morning, first thing you do, yeah. make your bed. You pre- you're preparing your room for the day and yeah. you can't, and he also goes on to say that you can't change the world well, you, without your room being well, clean yeah, first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> the world's no, a big place to change, it's, you No, know? it's fact. I, and even myself, whenever I'd be going through a hard time a bit younger, like when I was a bit younger, I would say like 10, 11, 12. Whenever I was like in a mad time in my life thinking, uh, the first thing I'd do is clean my room. I know, I know mm-hmm. if, I st- if I start in my room, my environment, my space, I can I can do what I can to the world to now start changing things, making it a, a better place. So what are your like daily habits? Right now? Yeah, right now. Bro, I'll be writing music like 16 hours a day. I wake up and I'll be listening to music. My earphones are on in it like mm-hmm. um, all the time. All I'm, the time. R- I'm writing bars. The thing is, I- I'm a really good freestyler. So a lot of the time, even if I'm hearing like songs mm-hmm. that are like actual production songs and they're out live, I'll be I'll be spitting over there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, music's everything to me. Um, I-, I smoke a bit of marijuana. It's illegal in this country. I don't know if I can say this on the podcast without getting, but whatever. We don't legally condone. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> in Malta, it's legal. So I, um, what I do at the end of the day, I think I don't drink as much as, as I used to when I was like, maybe like 16 but um, <laughs> like in Malta the habits I'd be literally I, I love sitting by the by the beach I love sitting just, do, just doing like human things like not 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 society things human things human bro things. like seeing the world um, I'm such like an old soul for that bro like <laughs> people think I'm crazy I swear <laughs> no, I'm, this no, bro, I, don't know I feel it I feel I, it but I know you feel that I swear <laughs> I fuck you so much but <laughs> the thing is bro I feel like I'm the craziest person in the world sometimes because I literally be doing like the most I'll be, I'll be writing poems. I'll be like, I'll show you my journal after you see my journey, but like, what the hell would you like? <laughs> but like, these are the things in my life. I, there's nothing I, I, I step, if I step away from my path and my journey it, for a second, I know, like, I have intuition. I'm like, I know this like, is wrong. This is wrong. I, I shouldn't be doing this. It's a bad habit. If I, if I'm smoking a cigarette when I'm, when I'm at a party socially, I know that like, I shouldn't be smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Things like that. Mm-hmm. What do you think it's the, been the biggest lesson that you've learned? In my life. Or? In your life. Oh, shoot. Or the thing that's that has had the most, the biggest impact on you in terms of how you live your life and how you view the world. Bro, it's a big question, I know. <laughs> for real, man, uh, biggest lesson. Do you know what? Just when I was when I was probably a bit younger and I was like going through poverty more and I was living on the streets and I was suffering from hunger, that kind of thing. And the appreciation I had for the smallest things like if if someone would give me like a, a small loaf of bread, mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be like it wasn't a lesson, but it's like something I experienced. Mm-hmm. I would cry, I, like I couldn't I couldn't say thank you because my voice, I'd be like crying. Like that kind of thing is a lesson that I'm like, you know what, bro? I've got to I've got to remember this feeling for the rest of my life. That's the biggest lesson because I swear down there'll be times in my life where I'll be up and there'll be times where I'll be down. But if I forget this moment right here for a minute, <laughs> mm-hmm. my mind will slip a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that that lecture me to just being so humble, bro. It's being so because be humble. I know my next breath is someone's last, bro. My best friend Somalian. I know what it's what it's like out there. I've seen I've seen the document. I've never been there. I couldn't. I can't even go to Somalia. It's yeah. that type of place. But I, I know in, in the in the world you've got to really just you got to take these these especially especially when it comes to I think not not as much poverty, but even even mentally, bro. Mental mm-hmm. life like just. The things you go through, loss, things that aren't even in your control. That that's what builds the most stress. That like yeah. Jordan Pearson talks about that the most. He does, yeah. About you know, things you can't control. Well, the biggest things that cause the most stress. And I think to like I using, think he says like 
most 80% of the world you can't control uh-huh. but you need to control that 20% you uh-huh. control that 20% that you have uh-huh. to the maximum expen- uh, extent you'll be able to live yeah. the life that you aspire, aspire and you would yeah. want yeah. to live mm-hmm. so it's it's a it's it those little it's those little things yeah. those little things what, what, what about you what's your like it's, it's a mad question when it's you it's a mad question when you hear you know? it you're like oh shit <laughs> now you know the question's on me oh fuck um uh, the biggest lesson i think I don't think it's a lesson, but I think Hawaii taught me this, mm. that sometimes I've, I don't want to say take advantage, but over, didn't appreciate the relationships and the friendships I had. Really? And I think yeah. going to Hawaii, a completely new country, completely new experience, no knowing nothing, building these friendships yeah. with these incredible people and we experiencing daily life, all new, the new country challenges, mm-hmm. adapting to new things really made me appreciate like how how supportive friendships can Friend. be, and I, I, one thing like only recently, I grew up without many friends. So if, what you're saying brings me to the like feelings I had is that sometimes I wouldn't even have empathy for my friends because I didn't know what it was like to be loved. So I didn't know how to love. I didn't know how much a friend meant to me until my friend was there for, for me. Mm-hmm. Like, and now I'm like, especially after traveling and having friends that are so far away that you know what, I don't even know the next time. I don't even know if I'll ever see some of my friends again. <laughs> but like, I'm now thinking like, bro, this. This friendship is so beautiful. This person has me, and mm-hmm. and I I I might not even have myself sometimes, but I know they got me, and that's that's like the most. I, I think know. you brought up a very good point: the ability to accept to be loved. Mm, yeah, yeah. Being loved is <laughs> you. You. I mean, you. Some people never experience it with their parents, but a lot of people do. But you. You get that first initial feeling of love from your parents. Yeah, yeah. And then seeing a completely. Like not irrelevant person, but not you're not connected by blood, yeah. but you're connected by mindset, mindset. and and that's something. And trust as well. And like, trust, trust, bro. Like, that's one thing I spoke about. I've got some real friends that I'm telling you that I I know if if if, if it was a choice they'd have me, but I, I've got some people in my life that I know, like, but there's no proof to see why how they switch up. You can't even tell if someone will switch up until the moment they do. Into so the your moment. entire your entire friendship is built on the trust and the faith. These these men won't turn their back on you. Same as love, and love is a big mm-hmm. part of that as well. I. I don't want to bring my, uh, my best friend, mm-hmm. uh, Yonu, who lives in Korea. Mm-hmm. and Really? He lives in Korea, <laughs> yeah. So it's mad t- uh, time zones to try and keep up with. What, what time is it like right now? I think it's what it's like 3 p.m. here, so it's maybe midnight, 1 a.m. So it's it's tough to like oh, stay in shit, touch. Man. But I think, I think that really, really hit me that day when I completely broke down mm-hmm. because of some event that happened in my life and it was just too overwhelming for yeah. me and I broke down crying. Wow. I broke. I was a mess. Mm-hmm. And I think just having his this presence just there, yeah. not necessarily like trying to uh, like get me out of this state, yeah, yeah. just being Pre- there. Presence, that's such a powerful word as well. Presence of just him being yeah, there yeah. and saying, okay, you're in a state, mm-hmm. I'll be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. When you're ready and ready to talk, yeah. I'll be there, yeah, and man. I think it's those things that aren't even material. That mean yeah, most. not even material. You can't touch that kind of love. You can't touch that's, that. That's but you can. That's there. Like you know, what I mean, I, I really, especially being hella spiritual, I know that's all the this reality is, man. Love, peace, and understanding. Those yeah. three things are the that's the that's like the three building blocks of the universe, bro. Love, peace, and understanding. That yeah. is that is beautiful. That is truly <laughs> beautiful. You know, <laughs> cool that shit. That was my yearbook quote. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship, love is yeah. F- the love of friends, the love of people, the love of animals, the love mm. of everything is yeah. is truly something. R- realizing that you're, it's like it's almost like 
a, a universal consciousness. Everything is is me because I'm a product of everything, and all, especially if you look into quantum physically, mm -hmm. stardust, all that stuff. Like mm -hmm. we literally are everything. We're gonna be forever. We're gonna be everything, and, and we're all connected always. Man, I, I I hate it. even when I gotta walk through fields and I know I'm killing a plant. I'm like, bro, I'm so in it, but so I gotta be about my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I could, I would avoid uh, yeah, stepping so on you. You know. <laughs> yeah, man. It made me things like that made me want to go vegan and things like genuinely and just start treating the world. And because I grew up, did in you that, ever go? I used to I used to live in the countryside with my best friend and his family are vegan and I didn't go fully but I went vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I, I swear not, I, it was it would be so hard for me to want to eat meat because when you have meat after not having meat for so long, yeah. like oh my day, your stomach <laughs> feels like you know what the hell. But um, I really liked it. But the thing is, I I, I was too poor to do it. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. was move all the time. Like you have to. But the meals that I was having as a vegan were the best meals of my life. Like the 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 seasoning, the flavor, the ingredients, the things that went into these meals was like, what is this flavor? <laughs> this, this is food. Like, bro, what have I been mm -hmm. eating my whole life? Like, I mean, I don't know if I could ever go vegan. I I love meat too much. I love but chicken, it's bro. it's also that's like I don't know. I see it as a necessary evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, I, it's the universe. It's, it's the, universe. the universe telling us like like uh, evolution. Like that exists. That's that's what humbles me. When I'm uh, like, we got canines for for a reason. Exactly, bro. Reason. That's that's the one thing. Like even though I, I love everything and I try to be peaceful, I understand that, bro. I gotta survive. Why, <laughs> why why would the universe put me here if, if I wasn't supposed to survive? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So no, I I completely understand that. And we'll I think we'll we'll bring it to a close after this. How would you like to be remembered in this world? Because this world, you've been bro. through. I mean, I know it's very, very early on in the world, so and funny there's still so much to experience and to enjoy in the in bro, the world. So would you say that? I, sorry, I literally saw on a bus stop yesterday. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? It was like one of those CV ads in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, bro, it's so weird you asking me this. <laughs> continue your question. Continue your question. Um. Yeah. So it's we we're we're all going through so many different mm -hmm. different experiences, different different life events just being thrown at us. Mm -hmm. It's very very early on to say how would you like to be remembered, mm -hmm. but. You from the day if you were god forbid die tomorrow oh, shit. <laughs> shit, god man. forbid no, you know in this room guys <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah god forbid how how would you like the universe to remember you because remember we are we are just a small yeah we are just a small thing in this world i want to be remembered for as i said peace love and understanding that's all that's all i want to remember for it whenever i meet somebody new the first thing i say if, if i go up to somebody and i'm, and I'm asking for uh, tobacco for my joint or whatever mm -hmm. i'll be like peace peace like, first thing is peace bro like that the symbols of the universe you know what i'm saying i want to be remembered for those three things i want to be remembered for the i want to inspire my music isn't just to to sell a bunch of records and get popular and then bro i really want to inspire and, and show the world bro i come from nothing i come from playing playing football on the streets in the same pair of shorts every single day after day after week after month bro mm -hmm. but i really want to inspire everybody like there's people i be i walk around the street sometimes even wherever i be and i'll see people say oh my days you do music that's so amazing oh my i could never i was like you really can like you really can, you really can. well i like, put your mind to it i want to offer belief to people that and, and i really hope if there's anything that my legacy that i leave here is that people can look at me and be like you know what bro like this this guy did it i can do it you know what i mean like it's this this dumbass guy born in Essex. <laughs> I could do it, you know. That's what I remembered for, and obviously there are a lot of things in between. But but love, peace, and understanding, and yeah, man. Ins in inspiration. You know, I mean, yeah. you're the fact that we met in this in this little this room. <laughs> Let's remind them real quick, cause I feel it's <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll remind him. So I walked. I was about to go uh, edit a podcast episode. Uh -huh. I walk in, lights are off, so I expect nobody to be there. You know? <laughs> I, I walk in, I look into the corner, and this dude is just sitting there on the floor, like on his knees, 
editing on his laptop. <laughs> and I, 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 I got terrified. I oh, jumped. Oh, shit, wait one sec. <laughs> I completely jumped. Yeah, bro. I, mem- I remember you coming. You was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I was like, bro, I'm sorry. I'm recording music. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to say. I was like, bro, I don't know why I had the lights off in there. It was just one of those ones. I was like, I, I couldn't, I, like, I had... I was recording a song for my first show. The next day after I had a show, I remember telling you I had a show. I, remember, next day. Yeah. I was I was in, recording in Hackney. In Hackney, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was recording um, the vocals for that. I was sending it to a producer, and I couldn't get the take. I was like, bro, fuck these lights, bro, <laughs> fuck these lights. I just I, I turned the light off for like two minutes. I got a good take. I was about to send it, and then I was oh shit, I see you walking. <laughs> and then bro, I showed you my song, and then the rest is history, and bro. The rest of hi- the rest is history, and um, love, peace, and understanding. Love, peace, and understand, bro. And You've inspired me, and you've inspired me, bro. <laughs> it's, it's a privilege to be sat so close to a beautiful man. Like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, hold up, you know? <laughs> no, but truly, thank you for coming on. It's been a truly insightful conversation. It always is. Always whenever, is bro. whenever we meet. No, nah, bro. Thank you for having me on. It's a privilege. I swear, and I'm gonna share this everywhere I go. And oh, this, 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 this will be. This episode will be everywhere in the world, Yo, all over the world. Every country can listen to this, right? Oh, I down. appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, thank you guys for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed. It was a bit. Oh, we we talked about all sorts of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Like and subscribe and keep listening. So peace, love and understanding. <clears throat> peace out. <laughs> Shaga. <laughs> That's a wrap, bro.